Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ryan. Hope y'all had a great day. Man, it was a little nippy. A little nippy out there. A little nippy. I look forward to... Actually, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with this cold weather because on one hand, I can't stand the cold. I don't mind it if it's like days like this where... As long as it's that cold wind, that's what gets me. That's what gets me. That wind, that cold, brisk wind hits you, whips you in the face. And, yeah, I can't. I don't like that. But as long as the sun comes out and it's not like it's somewhere around like 30, 40-ish, I can do that 40-ish. Excuse me. Yeah, as long as it's below, above 40 and that wind isn't blowing, I'm good. It's not too bad because I actually enjoy... Wearing hoodies and jackets and jeans, cause in the summertime I feel like my uh, I don't know I need to step up my I need to step up my wardrobe a little bit for summertime, cause I just wear like the same shorts and like a collared shirt or a t-shirt like every day, and I'm like I'm kind of self-conscious about my really skinny legs and skinny arms, these chinga wings I got. Yeah, this two-piece leg dinner and two-piece uh, two piece leg and two-wing uh, meal we got going on here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. I'll never forget this girl in high school said I look like a grasshopper. And now that I think of it, and the more I've thought about it as I've gotten older, I was like, yeah, I do kind of look like a grasshopper because I got this short torso and long legs. I'm all legs. Anyway, before this recording gets to 34 minutes like it did yesterday, let's go get into this word. We're in Job 35. Elihu reminds Job of God's justice. So Elihu, his homeboys. Still setting them straight. Then Elihu said, Do you think it is right for you to claim I am righteous before God? For you also ask, What's in it for me? What's the use of living a righteous life? I will answer you. I will answer you. And all your friends too. I don't know about you, but I've, uh, I'll say that. I've asked myself that question a lot of times, particularly in the area of sexual sin. While I was married and while I'm single now, I'm like, why does God care? Why would God care so much about me, you know, masturbating or looking at images online? It's not like I'm out here at strip clubs or with prostitutes and you know, there's a there's a spectrum of sin here. You know, on the one end, it's like I'm out here sleeping around with a bunch of women and you know every nightclub and then over here is me just you know looking at little images here and there masturbating you know here and there sorry if you got kids listening to this but hey you gotta have that conversation with them at some point uh um but yeah i've had that conversation i've had to ask myself that question a lot yeah particularly in the area of sexual sin like what is the point of living a righteous life what rewards do I get for this? And as a single man now, it's like, God, you, 
you see these women are, you see this woman that you put in front of me, this good friend Stephanie I got, and how she's made and, you know, designed and all that. Uh, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, Lord? What am I supposed to do? Just ignore, keep ignoring these feelings and thoughts and ideas I have. And so, and you know, with cell phones, temptation is right there at any point. Sure, you can FaceTime people and do stuff inappropriate, and you know, see everything when you get a hold. Shoot, who needs uh, all these little apps they got out here and websites, um, and whatever. What is the one that people talk about all the time? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, OnlyFans. Who needs OnlyFans or whatever? When you got, you can just make a friend who's willing to treat you like her OnlyFans. Anyway, let me stop before I get into more trouble. But y'all see my point. I hope I know I'm not the only one who's asked that question. What's the use of living a righteous life? Anyway, verse four, I will answer you all and all your friends, too. Now, yeah, Elihu's about to set us all straight. I will answer you and all your friends, too. Look up into the sky and see the clouds high above you. If you sin, how does that affect God? Even if you sin again and again, what effect will it have on him? If you are good, is this some great gift to him? What could you possibly give him? No. Yeah, that's a good question. What God don't need nothing from us. Not a thing. That could lead to a whole conversation about tithing, but we won't go there right now. Uh, it's basically, yeah, people like I, I'll just speak for myself at times. Like, well, like, what's the point of me tithing like consistently? It's like God doesn't need our money. It's uh, it's his money anyway. Everything belongs to him. Our even our bodies, our minds, our our mouths, everything belongs to him. So we are to live as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him. Whatever scripture says that. I uh, can't think of it right now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, all right, let's keep going. What could you possibly give him? No, your sins affect only people like yourself, and your good deeds also affect only humans. People cry out when they are oppressed. They groan beneath the power of the mighty. Yet they don't ask, where is God, my creator, the one who gives songs in the night? Where is the one who makes us smarter than animals and wiser than the birds of the sky? And when they cry out, God does not answer because of their pride. But it is wrong to say God don't doesn't listen. But it is wrong to say God doesn't listen, to say the Almighty isn't concerned. You say you can't see him, but he will bring justice if you will only wait. Let's see what does the other translation say. These verses can also be translated as follows. Indeed, God doesn't listen to their empty plea. The Almighty is not concerned. How much less will he listen when you say you don't see him and that your case is is before him and you're waiting for justice?
My bad, y'all. I accidentally clicked that little button that play that has a little man reading the Bible to you. My bad. All right, a little arrow. And I'm almost done. Let's close it out. Verse 15. You say he does not respond to sinners with anger and is not greatly concerned about wickedness, but you are talking nonsense. You are talking nonsense, Job. You have spoken like a fool. I pity the fool. Hmm. That's a good question. He says, you say he does not respond to sinners with anger and is not greatly concerned about wickedness. Hmm. I don't know. I struggle with that myself. I make all these deliveries. And a lot of times I'm like, I mean, you can't really judge a book by its cover, a house by its cover. I don't know what these people's personal lives are like, but sometimes I like ask myself, like, I wonder how many of these people even have a relationship with Jesus, like, or serve him or even, you know, bother to go to church or, you know. How many people are living like wicked, reckless lives or whatever, and they have these big, fat houses and lots of land, and sometimes, I don't know, I just sometimes think to myself, it's like, sometimes it really does seem like the wicked are just prospering, but that's not <sighs> prosperity. I think I've talked about this before. Just apparently that word means to like move forward and like here, let's actually look it up real fast. Now I'll close it out. Prosper. No, I don't want the lone people. Succeed in material terms, be financially successful. But the archaic definition I got it written under archaic is to one of the other definitions is flourish physically, grow strong and healthy areas where anyway, I mean, it says make sick. The archaic definition is to make successful. According to the Oxford Dictionary. To make successful. God has wonderfully prospered this nation. So. Interesting. To make successful. There's a success. That is based on worldly standards. And the world the world is quick to make people successful. But. Godly success. Like, no one will look at Paul's life and be like, man, that dude, he got thrown in jail a bunch of times. He got shipwrecked. And nobody, he didn't, as far as you don't know, he didn't have a bunch of mansions and they didn't have cars back then, but a bunch of chariots and, you know, castles, whatever. And a bunch of, you know, coin, gold, gold chains and coin bags but he prospered in he prospered in succeeding his success was 
when he wrote those letters to all those different churches and hearing about how their love for one another and how they were growing and adding, the Lord was adding to their numbers and they were obeying the Lord and following them and him and um, he was successful as an apostle, you know, spreading the gospel and um, and encouraging those folks. So like, and look at the ripple effect, like the multiplication effect and how he's like considered one of the most famous people in the Bible. Just think about the number of people in our country and around our world who are named Paul or some variation of it in some other language. Like, that's that's pretty amazing. He's like the LeBron James and the Michael Jordan of the Bible, like, that's success. But according to the world, we would not consider that successful. So anyway, it's just an, it's some interesting questions that are brought up here. And it's cool to see Elihu calling his friend out. And she's like, hey, God does punish evil, whether you think it or not. And his definitions of success is different than our definition of success. And his way of dealing with us is different than how we probably think we should be dealt with. It just calls all that into question. So these are all universal questions that, till this day, men men and men and women are still asking. So anyway, I feel like led to say a quick prayer. Do you have any father? Father, thank you. That you're a good, good, gracious God. You're a kind God. Even um, when we're disciplined by you, God. And um, Lord, we just repent for any time we've looked at other people. Specifically, I'll say I'll repent for any time I looked at other people in this world. And and had a level of um, kind of bitterness and je- jealousy and envy where they seem like they're prospering and succeeding and, um, in their careers and life. And, and I have had this dissatisfaction over my own life and how I ended up in the situation I'm in, God. Um, but Lord, I just pray, God, that you will prosper us in the way that each and every one of us in the individual way that you've called us to prosper. And, um, I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're a good father. You're a gracious father. You're a kind father. And there's no one like you, Lord. And we look forward to all that you are going to do. And thank you for all that you've already done in our lives. And help us to have a right perspective about who you are as a just, kind, and loving father toward us. In Jesus, my name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all. Have a great night. Ahava. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, but God 
demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen.